Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in. But if you sent in those comments and questions and supported the channel by sending in those tips, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too awful long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos and it's a saturday guys i hope you guys are already having a great weekend i had a lot of fun last night i've had a real very relaxing saturday so far i've been watching some football me and ann went out for breakfast in the morning and now i thought i'd sit down and get a little caught up on our companion videos so let's not waste any time and dive right into it shall we we're gonna get things picked up here with uh andrew gifford who writes John, my fantasy football team has Kirk Cousins, uh, McCaffrey, Justin Tucker, Darren Waller, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, uh, Darrell Henderson, and the Bills defense. Tell me how I'm one in three right now. Well, see, that's the thing about fantasy football. And I'll be honest with you, I I played fantasy football for a lot of years. I stopped playing last year. I got very, very frustrated. I was terrible at fantasy football. And I always drafted great. Like every year, I drafted great. And I think I went seven years in a row where, well, no, that's not, I think I made the playoff around one year, but I went six out of the seven years that I played, I didn't make the playoff, so it's frustrating. But I'll tell you what, everything starts, you start starting end with your running back. Really today, fantasy starts and ends with your quarterback. And you don't have a top three or four quarterback, but Kirk Cousins is pretty good. And here's the funny thing too, like he's playing on the Vikings, which are, it sounds weird saying, they're the best one and three team in football. They are a better team than their one and three record. And like Cousins is having a very good year. Like if I'm not mistaken, he's thrown nine touchdowns to only one interception, which is the best touchdown interception ratio of his career. So, I mean, I just don't know what's going on with them, but dude, you know, it just, it is what it is. It's all about, do you play against somebody who has who players who has a really hot week? And that's why I got out of the fantasy football game, but I hope things get turned around for you, man. All right, next up. Russell Amador writes, Hey, John, on the topic of a Joker sequel, uh, by all means, would love to see another chapter in this character's story. But to think 2023, 2024 may be the earliest we see that sequel, if announced, kind of a bummer, such a long layoff in between films. You know, of course, this came up because uh, we talked about a story on the John Campus show the other day where Joaquin Phoenix basically acknowledged that, yeah, he's open to doing a Joker sequel, which is very weird. For Joaquin Phoenix. It's really not in character for Joaquin Phoenix. And yeah, it would mean a while. But listen, it's really not all that long of a delay when you consider the fact that this movie was never even supposed to get a sequel. So obviously they never had any plans in place. They didn't have any, like probably even contracts in place. So it would probably be a long process to get that up and running. But if they could get it to us by 2023 or 2024, and by the way, there's no guarantee it's going to get made at all. Let's be clear about that. There is, as of right now, no guarantee that there's going to be a Joker sequel. But if there is, if they can get it to us by 23 or 24, I think we should consider ourselves lucky. All right, next up. Uh, Big Will writes, Hey, John and crew. Do you think studios are going to lower their production slash marketing budgets since we're in a pandemic? It's hard to have $200 million movie plus marketing costs just to hope to make a profit. Thanks. And like always, bring the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Big Will. Well, here's the thing. You got to understand movies that get greenlit now 
are not going to come out in theaters for a couple of years, right? You green light a movie right now, it's got to do all of its development, pre-production, then you got to shoot the movie, then you have post-production, then you got to get... So you're talking about a couple of years away. It's not like they green light a movie today and then it's going to come out in theater in three weeks. So right now, the studios are in a mind frame of the movies they're making now, the movies that they're contemplating green lighting now, they're assuming the pandemic is going to be in the rearview mirror. I mean, that's whether that's right or wrong. I mean, that's what their assumption is. They're not assuming that two years from now, you know, we're seeing immunizations going up. We're seeing, you know, all this stuff. So they're assuming right now that the pandemic is in our rearview mirror. Now, of course, something like that can happen again, but you can't, I mean, base your entire business model on that. So, uh, no, I honestly don't think that they're looking at that as a, as a thing right now. Now, whether that's wise or unwise, that's up to you guys to think. But I do not think they're worrying about that right now. Because, like, again, the movies they're making right now or planning on movie, making right now aren't coming out in the next six months. They're coming out in, like, you know, two years, three years from now. So, uh, yeah, that's probably not a part of their thinking process right now, Big Will. Good question, though. Big Will also writes... Hey, John. So Training Jay just turned 20 years old this week. That's unbelievable to think of, man. It's unbelievable. This film made me fall in love with movies. Denzel Washington is my top three villains of all time. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Anyway, uh, with uh, Joe Morton and Scandal as Eli Pope and Heath Ledger as Joker. What are your thoughts? Well, Training Day is great. And of course, he's in that with uh, Handsome Hawk, Ethan Hawk. Training Day is a great movie. Denzel Washington won an Academy Award for that movie if I'm not mistaken. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, that's not my favorite Denzel Washington role. I've liked him in more. I've liked him more in other movies. Uh, I think he's great in Training Day. He's fantastic. Won the Academy Award. Um, so it's not, but it's not even in my top two or three favorite Denzel Washington performances. And definitely not in my top five favorite villains of all time. But the movie's great. He's great. Put an Oscar on his mantle. So yeah, it's a good one, Big Will. All right, next up. Uh, Donda writes, one thing you're not considering between Bond and Venom is that Bond's audience skews older compared to Venom, which audience is a lot younger. Not saying Bond's not going to do great, but it may be more tough to get the older audience to theaters due to COVID. Actually, I think it's a little bit opposite from that, Donda. It's a little bit opposite from that. Now, look, I'm not saying that James Bond No Time to Die opening weekend is going to beat Venom. I'm, I'm not saying that. Uh, we, of course, did a story this past week where Box Office Pro was projecting that it could hit $100 million, which would beat Venom, be the first movie in the pandemic era to hit $100 million in opening weekend. It would be massive. But I'm not saying it will. But one of the other things you got to understand is one of the big reasons that a lot of the family films have been going direct to streaming, whether that's smart or, or stupid, is the fact that families, parents are less likely to bring their kids out right now. So you might actually say, under this very specific set of circumstances, the fact that Bond's audiences lean a little bit older might, in this current set of circumstances, might actually work in Bond's favor. It may. 
again, like a lot of studios are kind of hesitant to put out like the, the pure family films because they're a little bit nervous about about whether or not parents are going to want to bring their kids out into a crowded movie theater or not. Again, whether they should or shouldn't is irrelevant to the conversation. They do. And that's one of the things they're worried about. So, yeah, under the current circumstances, maybe being a movie that skews a bit to an older audience might actually work in its benefit right now. I, I mean, I don't know. We'll find out today. This is being recorded on Saturday. We'll find out tomorrow. Like tomorrow, the box office projections will come out. We'll know whether James Bond was able to do great at the box office, like 80 plus million or not so great at the box office, like 60 less. That would be considered a bit of a disappointment for it, I think. So we'll find out. Well, maybe by the time you watch this, the numbers will have already come out, but we'll find out soon, Donda. All right. Next up, uh, Joe Din writes, is there any franchise where you saw the sequel before the original movie first? Huh? Uh, as a kid. I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and Superman 3 first, my favorite. Uh, having limited access to movies back then, I just had to watch what was on. That's a good question. Um, I can't think right now of a movie where I saw the sequel, at least off the top of my head. Well, I mean, there's one thing that sort of fits, but it doesn't really count, and that's the... Um, I saw the movie Serenity before I saw the TV show Firefly. Now, of course, Serenity came after Firefly, but I had not seen the TV show Firefly that everybody loves. I've not seen that show. I had not seen that show by the time Serenity came out, but I was really interested in Serenity, so I went to go see it, and I fell in love with it. I loved the movie, so I immediately went back and started watching Firefly. But as far as... Movies that I saw the sequels before I saw the originals. I'm sure I have. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. That's a good topic, Joe. Thanks for bringing that one up, man. All right. Next up. We got, was that Joe? It was. All right. Next up, we got Scott Brown. One of two writes. You mentioned two scenes in Venom uh, in Venom 2 that you had a problem with. Yes. The breakfast scene and the rave scene. Yes. I, 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 I think both of those scenes could have been much better. Anyway, both scenes made me almost walk out and probably would have not, uh, would have, if not for the versus scene I knew was coming that I was getting at the end and the mid credit scene. I really enjoyed the first Venom, but I felt like the second one took the inherent silliness of the first one and took it way too far. And normally I enjoy Woody Harrison. Harrelson, but I found his interpretation of Cletus so annoying and I couldn't wait for him to stop talking. Well, I mean, listen, I, like I said, this is why I said when I came out of Venom 2, I said, I think if you're a fan of the first one, you'll probably like the second one. I think if you don't like the first one, you probably won't like the second one because they do kind of gravitate. They lean into that personality that they give Venom. It's a lighter tone personality, especially the dynamic between Venom and Eddie. So, but for me, it worked. Like I, I liked it a lot, but I don't understand the Cletus thing because the, the way Woody Harrelson to me played Cletus is exactly like he is in the comics. It's exactly like it. Now, you know me, I don't think a movie has to stay beholden to how something is in a comic book. The printed page is, is a different medium than a movie screen or a television screen, right? The printed page is different than live action. So you got to adapt. That being said, I, I hear some people saying they didn't like his interpretation of Cletus. Whereas I'm like, well, what were you looking for? Because the way he played Cletus is exactly the way, at least to me, the way he comes across in the comic book pages. Now, that's the thing about the printed page, right? When we see the images and hear and read the words, I mean, 
it plays out in each of our heads differently. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he played Cletus a thousand percent comic accurate, depending on your interpretation. But uh, yeah, I thought Venom was a hell of a good time. I had a really good time at that movie. Uh, but again, if the, if if the nature of Venom's personality and if the nature of the relationship between Venom and Eddie is not something that works for you, it's not going to be a movie you like. And if they do a Venom 3, Venom 3 probably won't be for you either. Uh, and that's totally cool. But for a lot of people like me, it totally worked. And I found it really, really entertaining. Anyway, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Scott. Next up, Orange Grove 55 writes, Hollywood Reporter recently reported that Bob Chapek sent Marvel Studios a Dole Whip machine con to congratulate on huge Endgame box office. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, pff, big deal. I mean, hey, I've done everything completely. That's like saying I totally... You know, I've never washed this car. I barely put gas in it, and I constantly run it into things. But hey, I gave it a nice air freshener, and that's kind of to me with the Bob Iger thing or the Bob Chapek thing. So, yeah, great. He put a, a Dole Whip machine or in uh, in their offices. Okay, cool. Maybe you could give us the gift of being a better CEO. I mean, that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Next up, Ryan Loner writes. I imagine that at some point, Kevin Feige is going to say to Bob Chapek, I recognize that you made a decision, but given that it's a stupid-ass decision, I've selected to ignore it. Of course, which is the uh, uh, Samuel Jackson line in Avengers. Yeah, I still marvel, no pun intended, I still marvel a little bit at, in that Hollywood Reporter article, when, when Kevin Feige was asked about, what do you think about Bob Chapek? The best thing he could muster to talk about his boss is he's a nice guy. He's a real guy. I mean, why? Well, I, I, I don't know. Look, I don't want to ascribe meaning to his words that he did not say. I'm just saying for me, when you're straight up point blank asked about your boss and the best thing you can say, because you know, when people were asked about Bob Iger, visionary, I'll follow that guy into hell like a true leader and blah, blah, blah. Hey, what do you think about Bob Chapek? He's a nice guy. He's a, he's a real guy. It, uh, I'm telling you, I, I am not, I am not optimistic about the future of, of, uh, Kevin Feige staying at Marvel. I'm not optimistic about it, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Next up, Bat Reeves writes, if you could only choose one of the following to eat while watching Matt Reeves, the Batman, which would you choose? Uh, Pancit, oh, we're going to talk about Filipino food. Uh, lumpia, I love lumpia. Uh, pan de ube or halo halo. Uh, take care, John, and salamat uh, for what you do. Well, thank you so much, and kumustaka. Um, I, listen, I, I got to admit, I'm not a big fan of Filipino food. I, I've, I've tried it. Believe me, I've tried it. There are a couple of dishes that I really do like, but for the most part, like ube, hollow hollow. I know, I know, Anne and her family love hollow hollow. I like, I like, look at them, like, I cannot put that in my mouth. Um, hollow, hollow, which literally means mix, mix. I don't even know what hollow hollow is. It's literally you get a parfait cup and you put some kind of ice shavings or something in it and then you mix a thousand different things in it you know i don't know if the gummy bears marshmallow i mean whatever you put whatever and you mix it up they call it hollow hollow mix mix i don't really understand it that's okay i love lumpia and i love adobo 
particularly beef adobo. I mean, I'm, I really good do like chicken adobo as well. Like Ann's dad, before he passed away, uh, he made a great chicken adobo. Um, there's a couple, there's a, one particular Filipino restaurant that we like to go to um, in Glendale that uh, 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 Casa de Gloria. No, no, it's not Casa de Gloria. Uh, uh, Fiesta de Barrio is the name of the place. And uh, we, the guy, the, the guy who runs his name is Frank. We call him Tito Frank, and he makes a beef adobo with garlic rice that is freaking to die for, like to die for. I always look forward to going there. But honestly, those are the only two dishes I like. Lumpia, lumpia is great. I can eat lumpia all day. Lumpia, and I like uh, uh, adobo, be it chicken or beef adobo, partic particularly beef adobo. But other than that, I gotta admit, I'm not real big on. Um, on Filipino cuisine. So when we go to Anne's family's big gatherings, I'm very, very select. I'll find like the one thing that I like and I'll just eat a lot of that. So that's just me. But so lumpia, out of that list, Bat Reeves, lumpia. Lumpia is what I would snack on. All right. Uh, what's, uh, where are we at here? Your name writes, if not previously asked and answered, is it possible to have the ads on the podcast not to occur while you're in the middle of a sentence? You're saying something Ads interrupt the conversation. Minutes later, the rest of your sentence is heard. See, I, I have heard that from a couple of people. For those of you who don't know how it works, here's how it works. So there is an audio-only version of the show that we put up. It's the John Campus Show podcast. Let me see if I can uh, get it on the screen here. I'm sure I can. Okay, so we have the John Campus Show podcast, right? And it is basically... It's the audio-only version of the show. So there it is on, on Apple Podcasts, but you can get on any podcasting app of your choice. Whatever It's on Spotify. It's whatever podcasting service you use, you can find it. Just search for the John Campus Show podcast. So um, it's there. And what happens is at the end of each show, I take the show file and I strip out the audio and I turn it into a uh, podcast version and I upload it to the podcast feed. And then I very specifically go through because it allows me because it's going to put in ad breaks, but it allows me to choose where the ad breaks will be. And I very specifically go in to like for the John Campy show. Whenever I say, what do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. As soon as I say thoughts, that's where I'll put an ad break. Right. I tell it to put it there. Now, for almost everybody, that's exactly where the ads show up. But I think I've heard from a couple of people that say sometimes it doesn't actually appear there. It'll appear like in the middle of the topic. I think that has something to do with the with the different podcasting platforms interpreting the metadata. I'm not really clear on that. I think for most people, the ads on the podcast show up where they're supposed to show up. But uh, I, I think that is the thing. So if it is, it's something that's way outside my control depending on what podcasting app you use. And I, I can see that would be annoying. That'd be annoying. You know, like saying, so, I mean, here's the thing that really about Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson has, do you like Pepsi? <laughs> you know, and then an ad pop in right there. Then as soon as the ad's done, a really good career and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I can see how that would be annoying. I do. I think for most people, it's not an issue, but I, I think there is some uh, translation stuff between the different services where maybe the ads pop up in the wrong place. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but uh, I'll see if I can ever find out anything about that, man. Uh, thanks for bringing it up, your name. All right, next up. Uh, we've got uh, Broth uh, Brother Train writes, uh, 
Uh, so the rumor is Sony will do a null the king of the symbiote. Ignore. Okay, look, first of all, just forget rumors. Forget rumors. Rumor is, did it come from Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Variety, um, you know, ver, you know, did I say, yeah, Deadline, The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, The Rap, did it come from any of the legitimate news sites? If not, ignore it. I'm tempted to not even read the rest of your question, but since you wrote it in, I'll read it. But anything that starts with, rumor says, ignore it. Just ignore it. Okay, again, unless it's actually in a real news source. Anyway, so the rumor is Sony will do a null the king of the symbiotes, uh, but the, but film. But correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that a Disney Marvel product since it's a new character? I mean, theoretically speaking, because I don't think null existed. That's a good question. I don't think null, like the god of the symbiotes, I don't think he existed when the Sony Marvel deal was originally made. Now, he did exist by the time they re-upped the deal a couple of years ago. But when, they when Sony and Marvel originally made their deal, and anybody who knows their comic history better than I do, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think Null existed yet. I don't think he was in existence. If that's the case, then it depends on the provision of the contract. If the contract says any existing Spider-Man directly connected characters, or the contract could say any existing or future directly connected Spider-Man characters. And obviously, Null is a character being God of the Symbiotes, and Venom is clearly connected to Spider-Man. That would fall under the deal. So it would all be dependent on what is the actual provision in the contract. And we don't know what that is. So it would all depend. But again... It's a rumor, so we can just pretty much ignore it and not worry about it right now. All right, next up. Uh, Wasanga Petrolio writes in, one of three. Hey, John, big fan from, Cans, uh, from Cabo San Lucas. Thank you, man, for writing in from there. I agree that movies with big character rosters have been successfully made. I also understand uh, the concern for No Way Home feeling convoluted. The examples you give of Infinity War and X-Men are ensemble movies, uh, but this movie focuses on one character. Civil War was a Captain America movie, but in my opinion, there are moments where it feels like Avengers 2.5. Even then, it's a great movie. My question is, would you still consider No Way Home to be a good movie, even if it loses focus on Tom Holland's Spider-Man? Like, let's say it's amazing, but you're also like, but Tom Holland was in was was way in the background. Bring on the filthy. Well, no, I mean, if it's a Spider-Man movie, Spidey's got to be the focus of your film. But being the focus doesn't mean you have to be 100 percent of the focus. You bring up the, the Captain America Civil War. Uh, movie, right? That is a great example because while that movie is packed with tons of characters, and I get it because it has all those characters, it feels like Avengers 2.5. I get it. I've heard that a million times. But the reality is from start to finish of that movie, the focus of the movie is Captain America. It's him. It's told from his perspective as they go through you know, um, as they go through the narrative in the story. And I think that movie is a great example of how you can have a ton of characters and still say out of all of them, one person, one character is clearly the main character. And that main character was, was Steve Rogers. I mean, that, that was it. If you're going to do a Spider-Man movie, your focus has to be Spider-Man, but that doesn't mean he has to be the focus of every single scene. Right. As long as everything kind of pivots around Spider-Man, then Spider-Man is the focus. Again, just like Civil War, everything really pivoted around Cap. 
and what he was doing and what his decisions were creating. It all kind of revolved around him. Even all the stuff that the other characters were doing kind of revolved around what Cap was doing and how Cap was reacting to a situation. Look, a good movie is a good movie regardless of what this character is at the forefront or the other characters at the forefront. If the movie's a great movie and Tom Holland is only on screen 30% of the time, then it's still a great movie. Right? And being Spider-Man focused just means that out of all the characters are there, that he clearly got the most focus and attention. It doesn't mean he has to be on screen 80% of the time. So look, the number one responsibility of the filmmakers is to make a great movie. That's all that matters at the end of the day. That's all that matters. It's called Spider-Man. So make sure if you're divvying up a lot of screen time, just make sure out of all the people who get screen time, Tom Holland's the one who gets the most. And if he gets the most screen time and it still only ends up being 45% of the screen time, then that's fine. It's perfectly fine to me, in my opinion, at any rate. All right. Thanks a lot for adding that in, man. Next up, never lose your nerd rights. Hey, John, I would like you to please explain why you hate Revenge of the Sith. No, I've done it a thousand times. I'm not going to sit here and do it again. It's a terrible, shitty movie. It's just that simple. Uh, I love this movie so much, and it's second on my Star Wars movie list. That's awesome. I'm glad you like it. I'm not shitting on you for not liking it. If you like it, that's awesome. I celebrate that. But yeah, I think it's a piece of garbage. Uh, I love this movie so much, uh, and it's second on my Star Wars movie list with uh, Return of the Jedi as number one and Force Awakens third. You say you hate the prequels, but I would really like to know why that is. I'm not going to sit here for an hour and break down the terrible, terrible dialogue, the terrible, terrible plot transitions, the terrible, terrible narrative flow. I mean, I could sit here all day and point out. Now, I will say that Revenge of the Sith, to me, to me, is the least egregious of the prequels. Out of the collection of dog shit that is the Star Wars prequels, Revenge of the Sith is the least offensive. It's not a horrible crime against humanity. Um, I, 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 it seems, seems weird to say this, but out of all the prequels, it is my favorite. <laughs> say, put a thousand asterisks on that, but it's my favorite, so... Listen, I've been asked, I've, over the, the years, over the past couple of decades, I've been asked many times to talk about what I think about the prequels, and I've done it a thousand times. I'm, I'm not going to do it again. You can go back and find one of my older things on that. But yeah, I find everything about the movie to be absolutely reprehensible. Terrible on almost every level. Uh, so anyway, that's just my take on it. All right, next up. Uh, William uh, Frobisher writes... Um, it's not show friends, it's show business. Uh, Hartley played a supporting character in a CW show. Firing him probably cost them nothing. Ezra is the lead actor in an upcoming blockbuster movie. Even mentioning what he did could cost them. Uh, yes, that's come up a couple times here in the last little bit about the whole Ezra Miller situation and the Hartley Sawyer situation. So, uh, quick recap, Hartley Sawyer played elongated man on the Flash TV show. Um, some tweets came up that he had tweeted out like five years earlier with some really distasteful jokes that he put up that he wrote on Twitter. They were joke. They were completely distasteful. I'm not defending the jokes at all. They were completely distasteful, but they were jokes that he had tweeted years and years and years and years earlier. Uh, those tweets came to light and they fired him and took his job away and probably ruined his career and finished his career. Ezra Miller obviously a much bigger star was caught on video. And again, there's still people out there who aren't sure that that was, it was, it was absolutely real. It was hundred percent real variety confirmed it, but 
there's a video of Ezra Miller grabbing a girl by the throat and taking her down to the ground. And Warner Brothers didn't even address it. They didn't even address it. Like not didn't even make a statement or had Ezra Miller make a statement because they knew that the audience is stupid and they knew that we're little five-year-old children. And as soon as they dangled some keys in front of us, like, look, everybody, Michael Keaton's going to be in the flash. Michael Keaton's going to be Batman again. We were all like, hey, what's that thing Ezra Miller did? Ooh, Michael Keaton's going to be Batman again. And we all instantly forgot about it. Warner Brothers trusted in our stupidity and they were right. Everybody's forgot about it. <clears throat> And yes, I understand why if you are evil, why doing one thing and not the other is fine. Um, I get that. But to me, if you're going to have a level of hypocrisy, again, I'm not saying they shouldn't have fired Hartley Sawyer, nor am I saying that they should have fired him. I'm not saying they should have fired Ezra Miller. I'm not saying they shouldn't have fired Ezra Miller. What I am saying is you got to show me some goddamn consistency between the two things. You got to at least be a li pretend to be consistent, right? Like to fire one guy. So basically Warner Brothers message is if you are a big star, you can get away with anything. We'll let you get away with anything. If fans love you, we don't worry about it because you'll be able to get away with anything. But if somebody like Hartley Sawyer writes, if we discover tweets that he wrote years before we ever hired him in the first place come to light, we can pretend that we have a moral backbone. We can pretend like morals and ethics and, and our society matter to us. And we'll pretend that by firing him because we know it's not that big of a deal. But catch one of our stars on video doing something today. We'll let that slide. We won't even mention it. Shh. Don't talk about it. People are so dumb, they're going to forget about it in a few weeks. And they did. They were right. Warner Brothers was right. We were all so dumb, we all just forgot about it and stopped talking about it. Oh, I've got friends at Warner Brothers. I like Warner Brothers very much. But I've been straight up told, I mean, you know, hey, if I keep talking about this, I'm, I'm not going to be invited to Warner Brothers stuff anymore. But I don't care, of course. I mean, Warner Bros. puts out a great movie that I think is wonderful, like Suicide Squad. I'll praise it from the hills. They do something dumb, I'm going to say it's dumb. I'm not going to be affected either way by it. But, um, yeah. I mean, show friends and show business is about making business decisions. When you're trying to portray, uh, portray yourself as a public company that is trying to be about positive, proactive social change and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, look, these naughty tweets came out from this guy. Fire him. Oh, we got a guy on video grabbing a woman by the throat. Oh, that's pretty, he's a big star. Let's not let's not even talk about it. Let's not even address it. And again, I'm not saying they should fire anybody. I'm not saying they shouldn't fire anybody. I'm just saying, show me some consistency. You're the head of Warner Brothers. This is all under your roof. You got to say, hey, look, um, we didn't even talk about the Ezra Miller thing. Let's invite Hartley Sawyer back and let's say, hey, you know, we we had a real sit down heart to heart uh, with uh, Hartley. He he's very remorseful about the things he wrote five, six, seven years ago. Uh, he feels really terrible about it. Um, they were just words, but still completely distasteful as they were. But, you know, we believe in redemptive action and, you know, we, we've, we're, we're excited to announce that we're going to be bringing him back for the final season of Flash, right? Because if you're going to keep Ezra around and you got to at least pretend to be consistent. That's my only thing. At least pretend 
to be consistent. That's all I'm asking for here. Uh, so the business part of it is no bueno. You, you, you can't, and when you do stuff like that, that is so morally hypocritical, and that's what it is. It's moral hypocrisy. We fans should be calling them out. And I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of disappointed in us as a fan community that we, not, we did not hold Warner Brothers accountable for that. We got distracted by the shiny keys. Look, everybody, Michael Keaton's going to be Batman again. Oh, yay! And I'm excited about that, too. I am. But we allowed Warner... Warner Brothers played everybody. They played us all like a fiddle. They totally did. They said, we're going to be completely morally hypocritical here. And we know there's not going to be any consequences because we believe the audience is so dumb that we can distract them really easily. And they did, and we let them get away with it. And so the message we send to these studios is, oh, you can always get away with this. doesn't matter what you do. It's all perfectly fine. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an issue that really bothers me. Again, I wouldn't have been bothered if they had fired Harley Sawyer and then like, I'm not saying necessarily fired Ezra Miller, but like made a big deal out of it and said, hey, look, we, we need to address this. We're going to have Ezra address it and then we're going to move forward. But the fact that they just fired one guy and ended one guy's career for tweets that were like half a decade old and another guy that's actually caught on video grabbing a girl by the throat. It, it, there's an imbalance there. There's an inconsistency there, but you know, whatever. All right, next up, uh, Jack Lumbers writes, uh, how well recognized was Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, MCU Trinity, to the general public before? Oh, I remember you wrote this in before, Jack, but I had no idea what you were writing. Okay, so you're taking another shot at it. Uh, how well recognized was Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, the MCU Trinity, to the general public before Iron Man 1 in 2008? Batman, Spider-Man level, Flash, Constantine level, or Captain Adam uh, slash Lightning Lad level? Um, I would say this. <clears throat> Everybody knew who Captain America was. And everybody's at least aware of Thor because Thor isn't just a comic book character. He's like Norse mythology. And most people had heard of Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man was, everybody forgets this, but before Jon Favreau made that first movie, Iron Man was a B-level comic book character. As far as the general general population, and I know some hardcore comic book fans say, John, you don't understand the importance of I, 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 But to everybody else, he was a B-level comic book character. Hell, I criticized at the time when the first Iron Man, when they announced the first, they were making the first Iron Man, I was one of those idiots that was like, he's just a poor man's Batman. Ooh, where have we heard this before? A super, super rich billionaire who doesn't have any superpowers of his own, but he uses his money to make all these big gadgets and technology to help him fight crime. Poor man's Batman. It's a B-level Batman character. That's what I was saying before Iron Man 1 came out. And of course, then Iron Man 1 came out and shut us all up because that movie's awesome. It was great. He is not a poor man's Batman. But, yeah, to the most of the audience. Now, but Captain America... So I would say this. They were definitely not Batman or Spider-Man level. I'd say more Flash, uh, Flash level, right? Like, everybody knows him. Everybody's basically aware of them, especially Captain America and uh, Thor amongst the average, uh, you know, American citizen who are not hardcore comic book people. But uh, Iron Man was a little bit less so. At least that's how I remember. You can feel free to correct me if, uh, if you think I'm wrong down in the comment section below. All right. Arnie Asada writes. 
My biggest takeaway from the Bond flick is that Nokia still makes phones. <laughs> Nokia was probably like, let's put our flagship model in the movie. Everyone will want one. Then the movie is delayed a year and a half. Probably not even available anymore. Yeah, I I remember watching it. And it's like, what, what is that? He's pulling out of his pocket? I mean, that was actually pretty... <laughs> Pretty true. I didn't even think about that, Arnie. Well pointed out, man. All right. Uh, Kenshin, the machinist, writes. One of two. Giovanni, uh, why they got to make Carnage's mouth look just like Venom's? Carnage doesn't have a tongue and white teeth. Uh, Then that guy deep throats his tongue to death. Like, fuck, Venom's the tongue guy. We all know that. Explain these tongue decisions. It's it's completely irrelevant. It looked better on screen. Uh, Actually, before I answer that, let's keep going in part two. Also, John, uh, why do you always end your videos with Bob I? Oh, bye-bye. Uh, and don't say, well, don't hear that shit. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Haha, I love your show. I listen to you all day at work. Thanks for all the informative news, smart opinions, and funny shit you say. Okay, so I don't say, I, I use, when I say bye-bye, I don't say B-Y-E, B-Y-E. I do the B-U-H-B-Y-E pronunciation. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, that's how a lot of people will say it. Bye-bye. You can say bye-bye. Or you can say bye bye, and I I'm the bye bye, so I lean on that, which I guess, I guess support I suppose sounds a little bit like Bob I, although I don't go bye bye, I go bye bye. So B U H B U H. Now as far as the the carnishing, I've had a few people write in about that, about you know carnage doesn't have the tongue. Guess what? Nobody cares. I mean that's the reality, uh, Kenshin. That nobody cares. Because like 2% or less, 2% or less of the people who bought tickets to go to see Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and there were a lot of them, have ever read one comic book page with Carnage in it. And 2% might be generous. It might be generous. And in the movie world, since you've been portraying symbiotes as a certain way, it would make sense that they would have those similarities. Now, listen, I'm not defending the decision to do that, but from a creative point of view, it made a lot more sense for them to do it that way in the movies because nobody cares. Nobody cares. And even out of the 2% of people who do know that about Venom in the comics, half of them don't really care. To them, it's not an issue either. So they believe this is what works better in the movie, this is what works better in a live-action screen, envi- screen environment. The movies are separate from the comic books. So, it. I mean, I got to tell you, I think it makes more logical sense for them to do it the way they did in the movie. That's just me. But again, the bottom line is this. It's not like everybody knows Superman has a cape. Even people who have never read a comic book in their lives, they know Superman has a cape. To make it to do a movie then with Superman without a cape, that would be a very interesting decision. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying that would be a very interesting decision that would have a lot of people wondering, why did they have Superman without a cape? Because 100% of the world knows that Superman has a cape. Less than 2% of the people who saw Venom know any of those distinctions. So it really didn't matter. Uh, anyway, thanks for writing in, Kinshin. I appreciate that. And thanks for listening to our show when you're at work, man. I appreciate that very much. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes... Though I do not see it happening, I would like to see Matt Smith as the new James Bond. He is already a hot name in television with Doctor Who, The Crown, and the upcoming Game of Thrones spinoff. I would like to see him finally have a bigger presence in movie. Yeah, I'm not really one who to get into X actor and X role discussions. Matt Smith is a really great actor. 
He was so like I don't watch Doctor Who, but oh my god, he was so good in the crown. He's so good in the crown. And I always like it when I see him pop up and stuff. He's always been very good. If they went with him, great. I mean, I would have other people I'd pick first, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. If they announced tomorrow that Matt Smith was going to be the new James Bond, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't argue with that one at all. All right. Mark 2021 writes. Hey, John, I wrote in asking if you do a Squid Game spoiler discussion and the poll you put up, the majority wanted it. Uh, you said it was going to come Tuesday. Are we still getting it? No, nah, we're not. I, I ultimately decided not to do it. Um, I, I think ultimately I just didn't know that there was that much to talk about. I mean, the only thing I think there was to talk about was probably the finale because Squid Games is a pretty self-explanatory thing. And I think, uh, okay, going to give you a heads up. For those of you who haven't seen the end of Squid Game yet, I'm going to give away a spoiler. So I'm going to hold up my hand like this. I'm going to be talking a spo spoiler until my hand goes down. So mute your computer until you see me. I put my hand down. Okay. Okay. I've given you a warning there. All right. There we go. So I think the only real thing to talk about is the ending with the old man. I mean, and, and you know, what motivated him and how him being in the game, like what would have happened if they lost that tug of war uh, sort of thing? And then what happens with him at the end as he decides to not get on the plane? But after those two questions, I don't know if there's a lot of questions to ask. And so as I was pondering that, I just decided, you know what? I think I'm going to skip doing a Squid Game spoiler discussion. I think I'm going to skip that. So I decided to take a pass on it, even though I had thought about doing it. I had decided to do it, but then ultimately I decided to take a pass on it. That's just, that's just me. All right. There. No more spoiler talk. Hand is down. You're free to come back. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Mark. All right. Next up. Bob Paycheck writes, hey, John. If COVID-19 had happened a decade earlier, uh, COVID-09, uh, before streaming was a viable distribution method, how do you think Hollywood may have navigated the release of their content? Oh, it's just, it's simple. Just, they just would have sat on shelves. They would have sat on shelves. Some cases they would have maybe scrambled to sell them to some, to the, to the major television networks, to Fox, ABC, NBC, whatever, say, Hey, put this on as a movie of the week and try to get somebody not the major films of course but some of the smaller films they might have done that but for the most part i think they just would have sat on shelves i mean a, a lot of the movies did just sit on shelves and now they're starting to come out again now but and some of them decided to move to streaming so and my guess is i don't see any other alternatives i don't really see what else they could have done so i think that's probably what would have happened uh good question though uh, paycheck all right next up Bob Chapek uh, Peck writes, did you know that Jeffrey Wright played Isaac in The Last of Us 2? Yes, I did. And your boy Ryan Hurst is from Sons of Anarchy is Thor in God of War Ragnarok. Yes, I do know that. Bob Chapek should watch Bob Iger's Masterclass. Oh, absolutely. Bob Chapek should read Bob Iger's book. Uh, he should take Bob Iger's Masterclass. There's a lot of things that dude should do. Uh, that he's not doing. So there's that. All right, next up. Uh, Bob Chapek writes, Hey, Giovanni, I think you're a creative guy. You're a nice guy. You're a real guy, Kevin Feige. Again, I that to me is the most 
revealing again i don't want, i'm not gonna sit here and and put meaning to kevin feige's words that he did not say okay i'm just saying that me as one single individual when i hear kevin feige point blank direct directly asked what do you think of your boss i mean what's he supposed to say it's his boss but to say yeah he's a he's a nice guy he's a he's a real guy not the most flattering things you could have said. Anyway, that's just kind of me. All right. The Sock writes, meant to send this in before, but Ronnie Chang, the comedian that cameos in Shang-Chi, by the way, his comedy special on Netflix, it's like Chinese comedian destroys America or something like that. Absolutely hilarious. Like absolutely freaking hilarious. This dude is an awesome comedian. He's the one that goes, no problem. I know AB or I speak ABC. That's that's the guy we're talking about from Shang-Chi. Anyway, Ronnie Chang, the comedian that came out to Shang-Chi, voices the main character in Scissor 7. He was the main draw for me because I've watched his special three times since it came out. Interesting. I know you've been mentioning this thing, Scissor 7. I've never even heard of it, but they, I didn't know that Ronnie Chang was, did a voice in it. Thanks for letting me know about that, Sock. All right. Final question of the day. Comes us from Dwayne Jackson, who writes, Hello, John and friends. With the Chucky series set to debut on October 12th of this year, I am just curious, is it normal for trade sites and industry people to review series before the fans watch it themselves? Why review? Why does the industry do this? Yeah, well, it's the exact same thing as movies. Reviewers review something before it comes out so you as an audience member can know or you know, at least start to form an opinion if you think it's worth your time to check out. It's the same thing in movies. Reviews for movies come out before the movies launch. So yes, uh, TV studios will release. Uh, they send me stuff all the time. I don't often watch it, but um, TV studios will allow either they'll send screen, either screener discs or streaming links for reviewers to watch. X number of episodes of a show first so they can get the buzz out about a show prior to it coming on because they the studios want the networks want people watching the shows as soon as they come out they don't want them to come out and then reviews come out about it and then people decide three or four days later because guess what other stuff comes out two or three or four days later they want the audience there when the show debuts and the way you do that is you let the reviews about it come out first. Now, not every TV show does that, but again, it's the exact same way that movies handle their marketing. Critics get to see it first. It's just like technology too, right? Like certain tech reviewers get their hands on the new Samsung phone or the new MSI laptop or the new Sony camera or whatever. They get their hands on it first so they can make videos or write reviews and stuff about it so that when it comes out, the audience, the consumers are a little bit more informed and can make their decisions. So, yeah, it's just the same thing they do with the regular movies, Dwayne. So, yeah, there's that. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the companion videos. Now, there are more questions that came in after that, but I think that takes us right up to Friday's show. So do not worry, guys. We're going to get picked up with any other questions that came in after that. 
as soon as we do the show on Monday. So come on back for that. But a big thank you to all of you guys who sent in these uh, tip questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did. And all of us involved with the John Campus show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, guys, don't forget the John Campus show will be back on Monday. Make sure you come back and join me and Robert Meyer Burnett for that. But that'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.